All right, let's, uh, let's get into God's word for a minute. How about that? How about that? It's good. It's, it's good. God's word is very good. So go ahead and turn to the first chapter of Mark. The first chapter of Mark. We're going to finish that chapter. And as you turn, uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, where would we be without your word? We would not have eyes that are opened and ears that would hear you. Your word is so powerful that it enables us to do everything you tell us. So, Father, we ask that that would happen. Power of your Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to come and illuminate our minds and our hearts and make us pliable so that we could follow you and what you're telling us through your word. We thank you for your word. Bless your beautiful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's look at uh, chapter one. And the last time we were together, <clears throat> last month, when we were in Mark chapter one, we went over verses 12 through 39. And um, through there, we saw a few things. And just to um, spark your, your memory, if you're like me, you forget easy. <laughs> but uh, your memory there, some of the things that we went over was we saw Satan tempting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we learned how important knowing and using God's word against the enemy, how important that is, and how effective God's word is in defeating the enemy. So we learned that. We also saw four fishermen, okay? They were called by Jesus, right? Simon, okay? Andrew, James, and John. And we saw that by following Jesus, he would make these men who were fishers, men that were fishermen, he would make these four guys fishers of men now. And we saw how immediately and completely these guys left everything just to follow Jesus. Now we also saw that while Jesus was in church, he was in service, he was at the synagogue, he cast out an unclean, evil spirit, right, uh, from a man. Now, this showed, when we went through this, his divinity. It showed his power over the spiritual realm. And something that it gave us a lot of assurance as Christians is that we need not fear anything in the spiritual world because God is over everything. So there's no fear there. Um, and, and one scripture that came to mind was that he who is in you is greater, okay, than he who is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. So that gives us that assurance and courage to say nothing can, you know, uh, tackle us or defeat us in the spiritual world. We also saw Peter's mother-in-law, okay, so we saw her healed when she was sick. Um, and also, very interesting, last time we met, uh, in chapter 1, is that we saw that Jesus had uh, a beautiful prayer life. And there were four things we learned from that prayer life. The first thing we learned was that Jesus wanted to be alone with the Father, more than wanting to get some sleep. Very interesting. The second thing we saw was it was more important for Jesus to be speaking to the Father than getting much sleep. Remember, alone and then sleeping. 
And um, we brought out the point that sometimes we need to do the very same thing. We need to unplug from this world. We need to get alone with the Lord. And we need to speak to our Heavenly Father who loves us very, very much. Especially after a long, hard day. Uh, the, the third thing was, through Jesus' prayer life, was that he found strength through prayer. Well, you would figure lifting weights and everything, that's going to give me my strength. Well, Jesus showed us that he gained his strength through prayer. He was refreshed. He got his guidance through prayer. And we can too. All right? Prayer is awesome. And then the fourth thing that we saw um, through verses 12 through 39 was that Jesus had a consistent prayer life. Very important. It just wasn't for today and then I don't pray for a month. It was a consistent prayer life. And all of us can have a consistent prayer life. And that doesn't mean you're locked in your closet all day long and just, Lord, I'm praying to you, you know. No, it's as you go through the day. He had a consistent prayer life, and so can we. And that brings us now to verse 40, and that's where we're going to start today. We'll finish this chapter out, and I was expecting to move along a little bit quicker, but something happened in my study that I would love to share with you and um, so let's do that. Let's look at verse 40 and um, see what God has for us out of here. Now, this is very familiar. I know that you guys, when we read this, you're going to recognize this, um, this story and everything that happens. But let's try to see what God is applying to our lives. Verse 40 says, Now a leper came to him, speaking of Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's what he said. Now, leprosy. Let me just give you a leprosy facts. All right. So now this might, I know a lot of you know this. But for some of those of us that don't know it, it's, it's good to learn a little bit more. Leprosy was and is a contagious disease that affects the skin, the mucous membranes, and nerves causing discoloration and lumps on the skin, and in severe cases, disfigurement and deformities. Ouch. Leprosy is, not, is now mainly confined to tropical Africa and Asia in our day today. And uh, in the first century, there wasn't uh, a cure. Now, it is also known as Hansen's disease, and you probably heard that. Uh, after the scientists who helped discover it, uh, Gerhardt Henrik, I can't pronounce the next name, Hansen, <laughs> right? That guy in 1873. And he was born in Norway. So that part of the world is where that happened. But in the first century, here in Mark chapter 1, there wasn't any uh, cure. There wasn't any medicines for all this stuff. Uh, no cure for the leprosy outside of a miracle of God. That's where the cleansing came, right? But other than that, there wasn't one, especially for at such late stages as this man, because when you go to the other Gospels that speak about this particular event, it says this guy was full of leprosy. All right, so he was really a mess. No cure, no nothing. Now, most of the time, as you look through the scriptures about leprosy, it, it, it almost always refers to leprosy needing a cleansing, not a healing. There is one place that mentions it in Leviticus 14, but 
for the, the larger part of referencing leprosy is unlike someone being blind or someone being deaf. They, God healed them. It's always, we're almost always referencing uh, um, the, the cleansing of leprosy rather than a healing. And that's very important for us to remember that. But here is a fact that we know about um, this man and about leprosy. Leprosy destroyed this man's life. That's a fact. Now, we don't know how this gentleman contracted this leprosy. However, we do know that he did get it. And we do know that it kept growing and growing and growing until it became full, destroying his life little by little. Now, the consequences of having this leprosy that this man had to deal with were very interesting. Look, follow me here. As a Jew, it made him to be unclean physically and spiritually to have leprosy. It isolated him from all of God's people and his loved ones. It was painful both physically and emotionally to have leprosy. It was hurtful and sorrowful to others who loved him, especially because of the separation. It left him all alone with no hope, no joy, no peace, and it left him with full of shame. This leprosy did. In short, leprosy for this guy was a death sentence. Now, I wanted to paint that graphic picture um, because I love you guys and I want you to see something with me. And I want us to take this and try to apply this to our own lives and in something here that's very interesting. It's a serious point to be made. Now, leprosy is something the Bible uses to apply to sin, a metaphor, right? A simile, right? So that's what the, we see in the Bible, that it uses leprosy to apply to sin. And the devil, our enemy, loves getting people involved in sin and caught up in leprosy. He loves it. That's what he tries to do all the time. But take a look at the word leprosy for a minute. Just look at it. I thought this was interesting. You may not think it's anything, but just look at the letters. L-E-P-R-O-S-Y. By erasing the first three letters of the word, right, it would spell what? Rosy, okay, which means to be in health, to be glowing, to be blushing. Yet, leprosy or sin is anything but rosy. And that's what the enemy loves to do. He wants us to view sin as rosy. <laughs> he wants us to view leprosy as rosy, which we know it's nothing, it's nothing like being rosy, right? He wants us to think, the enemy wants us to think that it's no big deal. He says everyone in Hollywood is doing it. All of media, Facebook, everywhere, they're all doing it. Come on. If you do it, you'll be happy. You'll be rosy. However, think about this. What God provided in his son, it must have been a big deal to be caught up 
in sin and leprosy to send his wonderful son, Jesus, to come and pay for our sins. And it takes a miracle, guys, to be cured from sin. It takes a miracle. Yeah. Miracles found in our Savior. Beautiful. Now, this cleansing that, that we need because sin in our life, the desire to do what's wrong, I don't know if you know what that's like, right? Right? The desire to be rebellious towards God, mm, that's a tough one, right? And to be rebellious against his ways, all of those things, the sin, the desire to do wrong, the desire to be rebellious, the desire to go our own way, all of those things that are going on in, in our life or before we were saved, all of those things, it cannot be cured or fixed or cleansed aside from a miracle of God. It can't be done. Now, this cleansing comes by doing something we learned back in the first chapter in verse 15. Jesus said this. He said, repent and believe the gospel. That's what he was telling people. And we hear that today, right? Repent and believe the gospel. So if you're not saved, believe the gospel. But you got to repent. So I said to myself, okay, I've been hearing repentance all my life. Almost. <laughs> right? Repent. What in the world does repent mean? How many people, you know, all these definitions of repent. So this is what I did. I tried to have a definition. Now, follow me. Understanding repentance is needed for those who have never put their trust in Jesus Christ and asked forgiveness for their sins and have never invited Jesus to spiritually come into their life inside of them and have the Holy Spirit take up residence inside of them. And that means they need to understand what does repentance really mean. And for us as well, when we, you know, get in our problems and we need to repent, we really got to get a grasp of what we're talking about. Now, what is repentance? To recognize the sinful way that we are walking in, that it is wrong. Got it? And to say in one's heart, in prayer to God, I want no longer to go in the sinful direction I am walking in, and I want to walk away from that lifestyle. Now, let me say that again. I'll say it a little quicker. What is repentance? Well, Richard, you know what you're doing, right? Yes, Father, I'm making a mess of my life here. Or let's say a person doesn't even know Jesus. Listen, you have to recognize that the sinful way that you are walking in is wrong, and for you to say in your own heart, in prayer to God, I want to no longer go in that sinful direction that I'm walking in, and I want to walk away from that lifestyle. And if you're not a born-again Christian, then not only do you got to repent, but you have to believe the gospel. Right? If, if you are listening in, in our live stream 
and you do not know who Jesus Christ is. He's not your savior. You're not born again. You have got to repent and believe the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? It is the literal death, literal physical death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He actually physically died almost 2,000 years ago. He was actually buried. His body went into a tomb, laid on a tomb, in a tomb, sealed up. Actual death, actual burial. However, there was an actual physical bodily resurrection on the third day. And he did it for you and he did it for me because we deserve to be the ones to die on the cross for our sins. But he took our place. He says, step aside, I'm dying for you. Repent and believe the gospel. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Beautiful. Repent and believe the gospel. And that's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else needed to be born again. You have a loving God that has provided for you. He's even giving you faith to step out and trust him and walk in that. Now, for us Christians needing repentance, now, listen, for us Christians needing repentance from the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let me tell you, it's like a thousand times a day, there's always something trying to trip us up. We have got to believe, right? We've got to believe that God can definitely help us. Now, the sin, or whatever sin is, is messing with us, the sin will definitely destroy our walk with the Lord. Sin will destroy our Christian walk with the Lord. Therefore, we need to repent. Now, think about this. As we contemplate repentance... Right? This is what we do. As we're coming to the Lord, we need to repent. And I hope I say this right to get this, because I think this is a big help to us, guys. When we get into something and we come before the Lord and we really need to repent, we need to contemplate what repentance is, and we, we don't use our faith. We don't use our faith for willpower to repent. Or we don't have faith in a self-help motivational method to repent. Let me try to say that a little clearer. As we contemplate repentance, don't have faith in your willpower to repent. I can do it. Mm -mm -mm. Don't have faith in your self-help, 10-step motivational method to get out of your sin. Don't. Have faith in God's word to repent or in order to repent because we need the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to repent. So if I'm not getting it from my willpower, I'm not getting it from my 10-step help, self-motivational, you know, look in the mirror, I can do it, I can do it. No, I'm looking at the word of God. Well, okay, Rich, got it. I need the word of God. There is power in the word of God to get me to the place where I can actually 
turn away from all of this stuff. Remember, it begins in the heart, begins saying, Lord, I, I, I want to turn away from this, but where's that power come from? Okay, where does that power come from? I'm saying the power comes from the word of God, not in my willpower. Here is something that might help. God's word, the spirit, right? God's word is spirit and it is life. Think about this. It's not just words from a page. His, his word is spirit and it is life. And having faith in his word will give us the power to repent. Listen, just listen to this. I read it earlier. He who is in you, well, who's in me? God, the Holy Spirit. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How about taking that to prayer to God and saying, Father, I don't want to walk in that way anymore, but greater is he that is in me. How about this? Then that's in 1 John 4, 4. The, the power to sin comes from the world, the devil, and the flesh, right? There's that tremendous power out there to get you to go the wrong way. Having faith in his word will give us the power to repent. I'm going to say this a couple of times because I know I need to get it in there. His word says this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Hmm. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How about bringing that scripture to the Lord in prayer when you're in the midst of repenting from something? Lord, I'm turn I don't want to live this way anymore. I am turning, but Lord, greater is he that is in me. And Lord, it is not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Look, having faith in his word will give us the power to repent. Not feelings, faith. Well, I don't feel like it. I got it. I don't feel like it either. I feel very weak. As a matter of fact, I feel I'm going to fall again. But my faith is in the word of God because the word of God says what I'm believing. Yes, I believe he's in me. All right. Now, to this end, listen to Colossians 1.29. Listen to what Paul says. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his workings, his workings, which works in me mightily. Colossians 1.29. Who is working in you mightily? Him. He's doing the work. Well, where's your faith? Is it in your self-help? No. Is it in your willpower? No. What is it in? It's in what God's word says. How about this one? One more. Having faith in his word will give us the power to repent. What a black eye this is to the enemy, right? Listen, Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. 
Okay? So, so we, we got an understanding of what repentance is. We got an understanding of where someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is and what they need to do in repenting and believing the gospel. And I think we got a little bit more understanding on what we need to do as Christians when we need to repent of something. And if we can do this having faith in his word, the devil's going to have a black eye every time he tries to get you to go down that road again. And you're going to say, nope, God's word's going to keep me. And you're going to see the power of God just raise up in you to defeat the enemy and just walk on with a victorious life. Now, notice also when we read verse 40, notice what this leper does. Did you, did you see what he did when we read there in verse 40? He came to Jesus, right? It says that. He came to Jesus. This man knew, this guy knew that there was only one person to come to to get cleansed. Very interesting. And so do we. Jesus is the only one that we can come to for the help and find the cleansing that we need. If you go somewhere else, you're not going to find it. You got to go to Jesus. Look at the second thing we, we notice about what he did. It says he implored him. You know what that word means? That word means to call near. Now come on. A leper, a Jew, they don't do that. They, they do the opposite, right? They have to announce themselves so you can stay far away from them. You get too close, they'll stone you. <laughs> Don't you get near me. He came and implored. He implored Jesus. Now, he, right, he, he had to keep his isolated distance, but no, not this guy. He was willing to chance stoning or whatever else they would do to keep him away from, from them. He was willing to chant stoning to get to Jesus. That's desperate. He was desperate. How desperate are we to get to Jesus? What will we be willing to chance to have him cleanse us <laughs> of our sin? And to get help, for, or just to get help from him. What are we willing to chance? Some of us, my friends would say this. I can't do that because I'll be, you know, ostracized. I can't do it because I'm already in the club. <laughs> and God said, what, what are you willing to chant? What are you willing to do for me to release you, to cleanse you, to get you out of this? Are you willing to come to me, come through all of this? Yeah, I, I think we are. Notice, too, what he did. You notice in verse, he knelt down to Jesus. Hey, that's a sure sign of worship. Especially in the Jewish community, you don't bow down and worship no man. So what is this telling us about Jesus? He's God. God the Son. <laughs> I love it. His divinity is all over the Bible. And, and, and look what else it's, it, 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 we notice about what he did or what was going on. Very important here. He wanted to be cleansed. He was sick and tired of his pathetic, isolated, unclean, and unholy state. And he wanted cleansing. He wanted out. I'm done with this life. I don't want it anymore. I'm in a desperate state. I'm coming to the one who could set me free. Amazing. Amazing. Look at verse 41. It says, then Jesus, okay, got it. He's coming. He came to him. What happens here? Then Jesus. Moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, 
I am willing. Be cleansed. Notice how God was moved. Think about this for a minute. God the Son, God himself, was actually moved. Well, what moved him? He was moved by his compassion and his sympathy. Hmm. Jesus has a sympathetic and compassionate heart for desperate, unclean people who have no hope, who have no way out, people who are tired of the sinful state that they are in. Jesus has a sympathetic and compassionate heart for people who take a chance and come to him and kneel before him and call on him. <laughs> he has a heart. Unlike us, we push people away. He received them in. We, when people are desperate, what do we do, Dave? We go, ah, yeah, well, you get your life in order, then come on back. God says, no, 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 no. You're desperate? You're, you're, no, wait, come here. Come here. I want to talk to you. I love you. Let me take care of you. Let me cleanse you. Wow. That's what moved him. Now, notice something too. Jesus actually speaks to the man. No one has spoken words like this to this man ever. <laughs> what this man was hearing, look at what Jesus said to him. I am willing to be cleansed. What he was actually hearing is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unless it's Jesus Christ. If I tell you that, man, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but if Jesus tells you something, guys, you can believe it, even if it's unbelievable. I love him. He's good. He can do that. He can do it. Now, now, this leper, listen to what he heard. Or listen to what he didn't hear. All right. Remember Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, all of, you know how that religious world was back then. Oh, you know, they were really hard guys, right? Listen to what he didn't hear. This leper did not hear rejection from the voice of Jesus. He, he did not hear a cold tone like the Pharisees would have had. What he hears is, I am willing. Now, Jesus with compassion and sympathy, guys, as only God can have, is telling us here, right here, right now, that no matter how awful and how sinful we may be, he is saying, right now, I am willing to cleanse you. That's what he's saying. Oh, I don't feel it. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what you feel. I'm just telling you what he's saying. And my faith in his word is powerful. He can do it. I love him. I just love him. It's just amazing. Jesus could have just used his words, right? He, he, he could have just used his words and said, be healed. He's done it, you know, tons of times, right? But look what he does. Look what he does. It says here, he stretched, in verse 41, he stretched out his hand, follow me, and touched him. He took the time to personally reach out and touch this man. 
He took the time to do that. He could have just kept walking to be healed and it's done. But he actually took the time. He takes his time with those that are in need. I love it. You see, with anyone else that would have touched that leper, what would have happened to them? They would have become what? Unclean. But not with Jesus. It was totally different. His touch cleansed them. <laughs> it wasn't the way like a Pharisee would touch him or you and I. Oh, you're unclean. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, no, not with the Lord. His touch cleansed him. And that's what he will do for us. Wow. Jesus can change you and Jesus can cleanse you. Remember, what the law could not do, Jesus could. Okay, now, let's look at verse 42. We're going to read down to verse 44, and we're coming to a close. As soon as he had spoken, immediately, there goes our word again, guys, in, in, in Mark. <coughs> he says, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What was Jesus thinking about here? Think about this, guys. Look a little closer. Jesus was thinking of the priest right about now, wasn't he? Hey, go, go. I want you to go to the priest. Jesus' mind, he's thinking about the priest now. He wanted, Jesus wanted an opportunity for the priest to see what God was actually doing through the Messiah. He wanted this guy to come running in and the priest to go, whoa, what is this? I'm healed, I'm cleansed. <laughs> and he would go, whoo, Leviticus 14. He would have had to open about, they don't, they, I mean, this is something I, I don't think they've ever done. What was that again? Leviticus, what do I have to do for you to make atonement for you? Oh, and he goes to Leviticus 14, and he wanted to go through it. Jesus wanted, what, what, what Jesus wanted was the testimony of this man's cleansing to be carried out according to the law. And it would have been a great testimony to the religious of the day. It would have woke them up and went, whoa. And if you read Leviticus 14, there's some very beautiful pictures in there about Jesus Christ in the atonement. But, but verse 45 happened. I got it. Jesus wanted him to do this. He didn't obey the Lord Jesus. He should have obeyed the Lord Jesus. Who knows what would have happened? I don't know. But verse 45 happens. However, <laughs> he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Man. Now, even though he did that, it kept Jesus from going into a, a nice, comfortable city and with all the amenities of lunch. <laughs> I love that, you know, or whatever else the, the cities have, and he can minister to everybody. But, but, but now that he spread this around, he couldn't do that. 
So, so it says that he went to a deserted place. Now, the place may have been deserted before he got there. <laughs> but once he got there and word got out, that place was not deserted anymore, was it? When Jesus shows up, a place that is deserted, dry, barren, nothing there. When Jesus shows up, it no longer stays deserted. And you know, sometimes in our life, we can get to that place of feeling dry, barren, and alone, and isolated. That's our deserted place, right? I will say this to you, invite Jesus there. And I guarantee it won't be deserted anymore. <laughs> it won't. So, that ends this chapter, and we're going to stop there. Um, we're going to pick this up in chapter 2, which I wanted to get into, but as you know, as you look at chapter 2, there are some amazing things out of there. So read ahead, follow along, and let's trust the Lord throughout this week in his word. Father, we are very grateful for the picture that you paint for us through the word of God. We are very grateful that you apply your word to us in, in many different ways. And I would ask, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the living word of God, that you would give us the power, as you already have, but give us the power to overcome everything that comes our way this week. If there's any area that anyone is going to have that needs repentance, I pray the devil gets a black eye, Father, by just trusting, having faith in what your word says. Because greater are you in us than anything that's in this world. And Lord, we ask your blessings on what we've heard and help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.